0: This is sermons number 68. We're picking up the story in Deuteronomy 14, uh, verse 1, in the middle of one of Moses' sermons when he's recapping the commandments that he and the other Israelites have received from the Yahwehans. Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourselves, nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. So, you should wear that unibrow proudly, in other words, even when you're in mourning. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. Now we'll get into how this choice was made later on in Deuteronomy. I think it'll be interesting. Thou shalt not eat any abominable thing. Then it goes into uh, which beasts are clean, which are unclean. We've been over all this before, so we won't uh, spend too much time on that. These are the beasts which ye shall eat the ox, the sheep, and the goat, the hart, and the roebuck, and the fallow deer, and the wild goat, and the pygarg, and the wild ox, and the chamois. And every beast that parteth the hoof, and cleaveth the cleft into two claws, and cheweth the cud among the beasts, that ye shall eat. Nevertheless, these ye shall not eat of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the cloven hoof, as the camel, and the hare, and the coney. For they chew the cud, but divide not the hoof. Therefore they are unclean unto you. And the swine, because it divideth the hoof, yet cheweth not the cud. It is unclean to you. You shall not eat of their flesh, nor touch their dead carcass. Now, we've been over all this before as to, you know, why they would come up with um, these easy ways of determining which animals were edible and which were not. It had nothing in particular to do with... Uh, the fact that they had clo- cloven hooves or not, or chewed the cud or not, except that set theory allowed the Yahwehlians to distinguish the safe foods from the unsafe foods. These ye shall eat of all that are in the waters. All that have fins and scales shall ye eat. And whatsoever hath not fins and scales you may not eat, it is unclean unto you of all clean birds ye shall eat. And these are they of which ye shall not eat, the eagle, and the ossifridge, and the osprey, and the gleed, and the kite, and the vulture after his kind, and every raven after his kind, and the owl, and the night hawk, and the cuckoo, and the hawk after his kind, the little owl, and the great owl, and the swan, and the pelican, and the gyre eagle, and the cormorant, and the stork, and the heron after her kind, and the lapwing, and the bat, and every creeping thing that flieth is unclean unto you, they shall not be eaten. But of all clean fowls you may eat. Ye shall not eat of anything that dieth of itself. Thou shalt give it unto the stranger that is in thy gates, that he may eat it, or thou mayest sell it unto an alien." for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. Now, it only makes sense, and we've been over this before, that if an animal dies, you know, it was probably sick, and it might carry some disease, so you wouldn't want to eat it yourself. But, you know, you can feed it to your foreign guests or or sell it to foreigners, that'd be okay. Thou shalt not seethe a kid in his mother's milk. Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. (laughs) In other words, don't cheat on your income tax. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thine oil, and the firstlings of thy herds and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. And if the way be too long for thee, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there, when the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, then thou shalt turn it into money, and bind up the money in thine hand, and shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, And thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, for oxen, or for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink, or for whatsoever thy soul desireth. And thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice thou and thine household. And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, At the end of three years thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year and shall lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow which are within thy gates shall come and shall eat and be satisfied that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. And that's the end of chapter 14. Chapter 15. At the end of every seven years thou shalt make a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth aught unto his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother, because it is called the Lord's release. Now, I don't remember this from before. I remember about the Jubilee years, which came uh, after every seven times seven years, when all debts were forgiven. But that came around only once every fifty years, so you know you could plan your mortgage rates and so on based on that. You know you'd know how many years you were going to be paid. So, but you know every seven years is just too often to be workable, it seems to me. I don't know if this is a later error or what that crept in. It makes it too easy to game the system. You know, you could run up a big credit card debt and then just make the minimum payment until your seven years are up and then you can start all over again. <laughs> uh, maybe some people are doing that. I don't know. But, you know, I, you got to wonder if this wasn't a typo of some kind. Well, a typo. Um, uh, a slip of the hand, maybe. Of a foreigner thou mayst exact it again, but that which is thine with thy brother thine hand shall release, save when there shall be no poor among you, for the Lord shall greatly bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it. Only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all these commandments which I command thee this day, For the Lord thy God blesseth thee as he promised thee, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow, and thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother, But thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him not, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Because that for this thing, the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works and in all that thou puttest thine hand unto. For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor and to thy needy in thy land. Now this is, a lot more generous than the Yarlalians normally were, it seems to me. You know, they're kind of uh, bipolar sometimes. Sometimes they go off, and sometimes they're just, you know, chilling. And if thy brother, an Hebrew man or an Hebrew woman, be sold unto thee and serve thee six years, then in the seventh year thou shalt let him go free from thee. So plan ahead and and don't pay more for a slave than you can recoup in six years. And when thou sendest him out free from thee, thou shalt not let him go away empty. Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock and out of thy floor and out of thy winepress. Of that wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, thou shalt give unto him. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore I command thee this thing today, and it shall be, if he say unto thee, I will not go away from thee, because he loveth thee in thine house, because he is well with thee. Then thou shalt take an awl, and thrust it through his ear unto the door, and he shall be thy servant forever, and also unto thy maidservant thou shalt do likewise. So, If you see servants walking around with unpierced ears, they're the six-year servants. But, you know, one with a pierced ear is a slave forever. It shall not seem hard unto thee when thou sendest him away free from thee, for he hath been worth a double-hired servant to thee in serving thee six years. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all that thou doest. All the firstling males that come of thy herd and of thy flock, thou shalt sanctify unto the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work with the firstling of thy bullock, nor shear the firstling of thy sheep. Thou shalt eat it before the Lord thy God year by year in the place which the Lord shall choose, thou and thy household. And if there be any blemish therein, as if it be lame or blind or have any ill blemish, Thou shalt not sacrifice it unto the Lord thy God. Thou shalt eat it within thy gates. The unclean and the clean person shall eat it alike as the roebuck and as the heart. Only thou shalt not eat the blood thereof. Thou shalt pour it upon the ground as water. So drain that blood and uh, cook your meat thoroughly. Uh, you know, I prefer medium well myself. Uh, I guess that's healthier. And that's the end of chapter 15. Chapter 16. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock and the herd in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it, Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste. You know, you didn't have time to put the yeast in and let it rise, in other words. That thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coast seven days. Neither shall there anything of the flesh which thou sacrificest the first day at even remain all night until the morning. Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover within any of thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, but at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in, in in the designated holy places, in other words. There thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at even, at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. And thou shalt roast and eat it in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, and thou shalt turn in the morning and go unto thy tents. Six days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work therein. Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee. Begin to number the seven weeks from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a freewill offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to place his name there. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt and thou shalt observe and do these statutes. Thou shalt observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days. Tabernacles being the uh, designated holy places that were mentioned before. After that, thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine, and thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are within thy gates. Seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose. Because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase and in all the works of thine hands, therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of unleavened bread and in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Now, notice the males, adult males presumably, had to travel three times a year to appear before the Yahwehlius assembly and bring tribute. That's what this is saying. Now, this is not just some sort of symbolic offering. This is an actual, you know, journey to bring tribute to um, the people that are ruling over you. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. Judges and officers, shalt thou make thee in all thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. Thou shalt not rest judgment, rest w-r-e-s-t. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift, a bribe. For a gift does blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. So see this this is setting up the ideal of everyone being equal unto the law, and, and you know, and and with that prohibition against bribery in there, so you, you can pay tribute to the Yahwehians. In, in fact, you in fact you have to three times a year, but you can't curry favor with your human judges. That which is altogether just shalt thou follow, that thou mayest live and inherit the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God, which thou shalt make. Now these would be the Asherah trees that we talked about a few episodes back. Neither shalt thou set thee up any image which the Lord thy God hateth. That's the end of chapter 16. Chapter 17 Thou shalt not sacrifice unto the Lord thy God any bullock or sheep wherein is blemish or any evil favoredness, for that is an abomination unto the Lord thy God. If there be found among you, within any of the gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, man or woman that hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God in transgressing his covenant, and hath gone and served other gods and worshiped them, either the sun or moon or any of the hosts of heaven. (laughs) Now, this is odd uh, to talk about the sun, the moon, and other celestial bodies as gods. You know, I don't think we've seen that before. Uh, They've been talking about animate gods, you know, walking around on the earth, you know, traveling from place to place in their rocket ships or whatever they did. it. This could be a later insertion, maybe after it was forgotten that the other gods were also actual gods. They were gods to the same extent that the aliens were. But anyway, where was I? Uh, hath gone and served other gods and worshiped them, either the sun or moon or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded. And it be told thee, and thou hast heard of it and inquired diligently, and behold, it be true and the thing certain that such abomination is wrought in Israel. Then shalt thou bring forth that man or that woman which hath committed that wicked thing unto thy gates, even that man or that woman, and shall stone them with stones till they die. At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. That's that's a good precaution, because you know otherwise uh, one person might make some. Crap up about somebody just to get them stoned. But, you know, I'm really not sure that just requiring two witnesses is enough to prevent that sort of thing, especially if there's no uh, corroborating evidence to support their claims. The hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people so thou shalt put the evil away from among you. If there arise a matter too hard for thee in judgment, between blood and blood, between plea and plea, and between stroke and stroke, being matters of controversy within thy gates, then shalt thou arise and get thee up into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt come unto the priests, the Levites, and unto the judge that shall be in those days, and inquire, and they shall shew thee the sentence of judgment. So this is like taking it up to a court of appeals, in effect. And thou shalt do according to the sentence, which they of that place which the Lord shall choose shall shew thee, and thou shalt observe to do according to all that they inform thee. According to the sentence of the law which they shall teach thee, and according to the judgment which they shall tell thee, thou shalt do. Thou shalt not decline from the sentence which they shall shew thee, to the right hand, nor to the left. And the man that will do presumptuously, and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God, or unto the judge, even that man shall die and thou shalt put away the evil from Israel. And all the people shall hear and fear and do no more presumptuously. Because, you know, you made an example out of these. When thou shalt come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me, Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. Now notice that phrase, the Lord thy God shall choose. In other words the Yahwehlians get to choose whatever Israelite becomes king, and then the Israelites set them up as king. You know, you've heard of the divine right of kings. They had those divine rights because they were divinely selected. They were selected by the gods. Now that ended at some point when the um, gods moved on to uh, greener pastures, greener hills of other earths, but uh, various monarchs down through the ages still insisted on being treated like they had been divinely selected, uh, including King James, the man that commissioned this translation of the Bible that we read from. You know, back before he became James I of England and Ireland, back when he was only James VI of Scotland, he wrote a treatise called The True Law of All Free Monarchies, in which he proclaimed that the king is, quote, the Lord of all gods, which is interesting terminology if we consider that in the King James Version of the Bible, Yahweh was translated as the Lord, and Elohim is translated as either God or the gods. So if we, uh, in effect, reverse engineer the King James English in the true law of all free monarchies uh, into what the original Hebrew might have been had it been in the original Hebrew, what James is saying is that the king is the Yahweh of all Elohim. Yahweh here indicating a successful God um, whose ancient religion didn't die out like most of the rest, you know, like Baals or Molochs or whoever. So by saying that the king is a Yahweh among gods, he's really saying that the king is a standout God, you know, maybe not an almighty God, but mighty close to it. And you may think I'm being silly because you... um, probably think that King James wouldn't have known anything about what Hebrew words were translated into what English words in his Bible. You know, that only his translators, you know, the people that he assembled and and, uh, paid to do this thing for him uh, would have known that. But as I recently found out, you'd be wrong. I kind of had that opinion at first too, but he was actually, King James was actually something of a biblical scholar and translator, even himself. And he, he did his own uh, translations of several of the Psalms, put them in poetic form, you know, more poetic than just a literal translation. Now, I don't think those made it into the King James Version itself anywhere, but, you know, they were published in, uh, in in his works uh, republished in 1955 in James Craigie's two-volume set, The Poems of James VI of Scotland. James was actually a pretty prolific writer on a variety of topics, including demonology and witchcraft and stuff. But, you know, we don't want to get too far afield. Let's get back to Deuteronomy. In verse 16, we're still talking about the king that's uh, chosen by the Yahweh Elohim but he shall not multiply horses to himself nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses for as much as the lord hath said unto you ye shall henceforth return no more that way so even a king with divine rights didn't have absolute authority he, he was limited in his powers. There was a constitution of, of sorts. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself that his heart turn not away. You know, uh, it occurs to me that this didn't stop King Solomon, you know, as we found out back in the Kebra and the episodes. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Yeah, d- ditto that. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in this kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. That's the end of chapter 17. And uh, once again, we're out of time. So we'll uh, continue on uh, starting with chapter 18 next time. Until then, keep the faith. Don't worship the sun or the moon, (laughs) because that would be stupid and uh, whatever you do, don't shave that unibrow.